John likes second, lives in Indiana, you know. Kevin likes the Dodgers and talks on the radio. John plays games on Xbox and on his Nintendo. While Kevin runs around LA with his mustachio, it's the Lack of Genius Podcast. In your ear holes at last. They don't know their Mars from Venus, that's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast. Hey, Kevin. Yo, John. Merry early Christmas to you, my friend. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. There you go. Get them all covered in one. That is a that is a, a Christmas theme song too, by the way. Which is it is yes. Bas- basically, all you do is you add jingle bells over them, and anything becomes right. a Christmas song. But there is a little bit of if yeah. you listen, there's a little bit of that bell. Uh, that's my. This mm-hmm. is me pointing out my own my own work. But uh, <laughs> I had a blast putting that together. I wanted. Because it's our it's Christmas good. episode, I wanted to have a um, yeah. you know a nice little theme. It's our holiday episode. John's mm-hmm. rocking his. Uh, we are live streaming, so you can see this potentially yeah. on a live stream. John's got his Christmas sweater on, and I have my Christmas shirt. You want to talk about your Christmas sweater? There, we talked about it on the pre-show, but for those, yeah, we we, we have. It's uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith and the the Clerks and Jay and Silent Bob movie, and so it's a it's a sweater that says with uh, Jay and Silent Bob on it that says, "Have yourself a Snoochie Spoochie's Christmas." <laughs> so, you know that yeah, all the Jay and Silent Bob and Clerks fans are are R O F Ling, and uh, if if you don't know them, then you're just sort of like. Oh, Okay, well, that sounds cute. Right. I actually own several Christmas sweaters, but I, I'm not really into the Christmas sweaters because I do the Christmas shirts. Uh, today I have on, uh, it, says, it says Gangsta Rapper, and the, but Rapper is spelled W-R-A-P-P-E-R. You get it? because And it's got a gift on it. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, and, but it's funny because I am, I am both an excellent rapper with it. Actually, let me, let me backtrack. I'm an excellent gangster rapper with an R-A-P-P-E-R. I am a terrible gangsta rapper with a WRA. I'm terrible at rapping gifts. For the life of me, <laughs> I cannot do it neatly. I uh, We're doing a secret Santa at work and I got my boss. So mm-hmm. now I feel like obligated to do really well. And I tried to wrap his gift so neatly and it's it looks like crap. <laughs> just, there's crinkles everywhere. I'm like, you know what? He, he probably sucks at rapping too. So he's not going to care. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but uh, here we are, John. We're uh, on our Christmas mm-hmm. episode we are uh, kind of doing our normal holiday thing where you've got a quiz about Christmas history, right? We, we didn't even talk about this. I just assume yep. you did. Yeah, no, I did. And how, how, what was your experience in, in, your, uh, in your quiz development? Found some interesting stuff. Did something on the quiz that I haven't done in a while. Oh. And that there are two true and false questions. Oh my gosh, you're throwing us for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> did you rename my quiz, by the way? No, you I didn't. didn't. There, did I add three exclamation marks to the end of it, or was that you? Oh, no, well, no, I, I put that on the quiz itself, like on the quiz page. Oh, I added the exclamation point. Because I, I thought about on the title of the quiz putting an exclamation mark, but I was like, again, I don't want to exaggerate the fun to make the other one not seem fun. And then and then I open it up, and there's three <laughs> exclamation marks on it. <laughs> I love it. I do believe both quizzes are going to be fun, but my quiz specifically has is less to do with history of Christmas and more to do with silly, fun, random things that are Christmas adjacent. Tidy up before we go, go any further with the show, show. Tidy up before we go, go fix our mistakes tonight. I want to get it right. Tidy up. I'm, I'm real time adding jingle bells 
because I realized I did not make a <laughs> remix version. So there we go. Yeah, our tidy up time is uh, is where we we tidy things up. But I think mm-hmm. you and I were discussing beforehand, John. I think this is going to be more of a a fan appreciation tidy up section today, right? It is. Yeah, I mean, just like you know, NPR and PBS. This po- podcast is brought to you by you. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> Until we get sponsors, and then we'll forget all about you. Right. We'll, we'll get the money, and it'll be great. Right. But no, and in all honesty, at least for me, it meant a lot for those that congratulated us on doing it for six months. Yeah, in case you didn't hear last week's or you're new to the podcast, last week we did our episode 26 extravaganza. Uh, 26 is half of 52, so we took we do an episode a week. We took the opportunity mm-hmm. to celebrate our half year anniversary, 26 weeks. And um, yeah, we, I got a lot of love. I got a, a listener from day one, Will Patch, sent me a nice text. We, we both went to college with him. Just pointing out that six months is hard to get to. A lot of podcasts don't get there. Yeah. And um, John and I have continued to talk about how we we don't have any plans to stop. We're like a steam train. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, we're, we're both stubborn. We're both very stubborn. We're like, you know what? Yeah, the podcast may suck, but we're going to keep going because we don't want to stop. We're going to keep going till it, till it reverts around to good. <laughs> but yeah, for those that commented. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> for those that sent texts, for those that... Uh, you know, sent your congratulations. We really appreciate it. If if it weren't for you, that it would be John and I. We could John and I could be doing this on the telephone, talking about our Christmas yeah. shirts and our Christmas sweaters to each other. <laughs> like we're doing this because of you. Like this is, you know, I think about how like a lot of times we talk about how we don't call our friends enough. Like because of you, the listener, you give John and I a chance to connect once a week that we probably would not be uh, fitting in it. We wouldn't fit into our lives the way yeah. that we know we should. So thank you for allowing John and I to have our friendship is what you're, oh, yeah. that, that's what you're sponsoring you, the listener. Our friendship is brought to us by you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we got to get t-shirts to say that. <laughs> it's time to take a quiz or two. Like a genius podcast doing this for you. You may fail, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. Don't really want this quiz to be tough. I just want to pass one because I failed enough. It might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. The Christmas remix of of quiz time. (laughs) And we decided that I would ask the first question of you. Okay, so again, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that are just tangentially connected to Christmas, right. and I thought about tinsel on trees. Which, before I ask the question, what is your take on tinsel on trees, John? Fun to burn. <laughs> the tinsel is fun to burn. Yeah, it, it, it burns really quick. Do you have experience burning a Christmas tree with tinsel on it? No, just tinsel by itself. Just like but... a string of tinsel, and you watch it singe up. Right. That does sound pretty satisfying. Yeah. My question does have to do with tinsel. Uh, there's a Philadelphia-based company who produces like 80% of tinsel in the world. They're called Bright Star, and they claim to have made enough tinsel to do what? Is it A, reach from Philadelphia to LA and back, B, to wrap around the world one time, C, to reach the moon, or D, to reach the moon and back? So is this every year? Is this total lifetime of the company? Total lifetime of the company. And okay. I debated telling you when the company, I, I get, would you like to know when they started making tinsel? Sure. Mid 1950s. So they've been around for okay. a while. I'm trying to remember if I know the distance between the earth and the moon. Yeah. I don't. I know it's not as big of a number as people think it is. Mm-hmm. It's only in the thousands of miles. 
I just don't remember if it's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. But either way, I'm guessing it would not be hard for them to make enough tinsel to reach the moon and back. Because, you know, tinsel's not very big. You know, it's very thin, Mm -hmm. but you have a lot of it. And so it wouldn't, you know, that adds up. So I'm just going to go reach the moon and back. Moon and back. Locking it in? Yep. John, that's... Correct. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Very good logic. I, I, I figured you'd probably be able to figure this one out. It is funny because that when you hear that claim, like we've made enough tinsel mm-hmm. to reach the moon and back, that does sound uh, outrageous for lack of a better word, but in a good way, like, right. whoa, that's a lot of tinsel, but you're right. I don't, I don't have the distance to the moon, but here's what I will tell you is that they started making strands in the mid 1950s and their tinsel is a 16th of an inch wide. And each mm-hmm. one is 18 inches long, which actually is pretty long. If you like, if in my head, I would have guessed tinsel was maybe a foot long. I mean, I guess that's a right. half foot longer, but 18 inches longer. And yeah, the uh, Kinderman family is the family who owns the company. And they claim to have enough to uh, reach the moon and back. Their math is 1.6 billion strands. So if you multiply 1.6 billion mm-hmm. by 18 inches, you get the distance of the moon and back. Basically, is what they're saying. That's the equation that they've worked yeah. out. Yeah, and, and I, I just looked up what the distance was. And in my mind, I was thinking 525,000 miles, mm-hmm. which actually isn't too far off on a round trip from the Earth to the moon. The distance is 238,900 miles. Multiply that by two. So the closest, I mean, I was off by about 40,000, but when you're talking yeah. 500 and some thousand, that's not that big of a difference. It's pretty close. Yeah, you got, you're, you're, uh, you're <laughs> less than a 10% error. Hey, man. That, and you know what? That should be your life slogan. John Largent, <laughs> less than 10% error. All right. Well, good job, man. You got your one for one to start this thing off. Yeah. You ready for your first one? Yeah, let's do it. So you may not be aware, but there's been a lot of debate of when Jesus, who you know Christmas is all based off of, was born. Mm. At one point in time, the church did settle on December 25th as being the day of Christmas. Wow. What century did that happen? The second, third, fourth, or fifth? Wow, centuries. wow, wow. Yeah, because it's it's funny. My, the joke I was going to make when there's debate about when Jesus was born, I was like, well, zero. The year zero. That's when that's when time started, right? Uh, the assumption is that cri- mm-hmm. December 25th is the day that it happened. But I, I right. in a reasonable mindset, I'm like, do they really know that's the exact day? Or is that just the day that we choose to celebrate? Um, but you're talking about centuries here. Was it the second, third, fourth, or fifth century that they landed on December 25th? Mm-hmm. My initial thought was was to choose the earliest one, but I actually think I'm going to go the opposite route. I'm going to say the fifth century that it that it took a little bit of time and and there. Wow, that is that is 500 years though. But I, I already said it. I'm going to lock in the fifth century. Oh, wrong Incorrect. <laughs> no, it, it was the fourth century. Okay, I was wrong. Um, and, and you're right. There was a lot of debate. However, people went about it, they always kind of ended up on December 25th. Oh, okay. And that was more of because of, you know, it takes nine months to go from conception to birth. Uh-huh. And so a lot of that came from thinking March 25th was when he was conceived. Part of that thinking is evidently in uh, the Jewish faith, great men die on the day they were born. Since he died on March 25th, they just assumed that's when he was conceived or born. And so so then nine months later, you have December 25th. So, you know, there's a lot of overlap of, you know, pulling in some other things before that date that are already on that day. And, there is a lot of theories, hypotheses is the word that was used a lot. 
Yeah, hypothesize, I believe, is the uh, correct. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's not the correct word, but it should be. And the other interesting thing about, you know, this time frame is Christmas wasn't there at the kind of at the beginning of the church. It wasn't talked about. And then it became a thing. And then it actually kind of became not a thing. And then it wasn't really until like the 800s when Charlemagne was crowned king or emperor on Christmas Day that it became popular. Wow. And, and it's so interesting because just maybe this is just me, but in, in the story of Jesus and the manger and the b- baby being born, mm-hmm. it's like the fantasy, I guess, in my head is, okay, and then every year after that, Christmas was a celebrated day. But right? it's like, no. It's but what, it, re- it really wasn't. Yeah. I mean, and uh, that kind of up and down pattern continues throughout history wow. of it being popular and not being popular it becomes popular again so it's and it's it's funny because it's such a huge thing now to even imagine it not ever being popular again is is insane right, yeah but i do i as as much as i love christmas gosh i do wish the commercialism side of it could just be turned down a little bit and uh <laughs> and but uh you know but then again then i wouldn't get a bunch of gifts on christmas and what's the point of christmas if you're right. not getting gifts so all right, John. Good stuff, man. And I missed that. So you got the lead. You're one for one. I'm 0 for one. Yep. You ready for number two on Christmas fun? I am. That Was that three exclamation marks worthy of fun? Was that fun? Um, yes. <laughs> that was that was four exclamation marks, John. Uh, all right. True or false is your question. There is a piece of fruitcake in the Smithsonian. Is that true or false? You got a 50-50 shot. I think I know the answer, Oh, but I, I have a clarifying question first. Okay. By saying in the Smithsonian, do you mean on display at the Smithsonian or just in the collection of the Smithsonian, like all the <laughs> stuff that they have that they don't show? We don't need to split hairs. We'll just say it's 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 possessed by the Somewhere Smithsonian. Somewhere in the Smithsonian buildings. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with true. True, there is a piece of fruitcake in the Smithsonian? Yep. That's correct, John. Yep, uh, it is. And according to this, it is on display currently. I, I But, you know, okay. they, they they switch things out over right. and over. Do you, do you know the reason that there's a free? This it won't affect your scourge, but. I feel like it's from a president. Oh, it's not. Well, I mean, there may be a no. president connection, but the at least the story that I know is not. It's a, it's a pineapple fruitcake, and it was brought along on the Apollo 11 space mission with uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin okay. landing on the moon, the first humans to walk on the moon. Now, I don't believe that it actually stepped on the moon with them. I don't. They didn't eat it at all. It didn't get touched. Um, so I think it was more just uh, a, an act of like, here's something nice because you'll be there during Christmas, I assume. Right. But uh, yeah, according to this, it is on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Okay. And oh yeah, and it says according uh, the museum's website says as it was not consumed during the mission, it was returned to Earth. And uh, the well, other, I would assume they didn't consume it. If, if it's still if it's still there, then I'm assuming <laughs> it's not. Now the funny thing too, one of the long running jokes about fruitcake is that it lasts forever, you know, and that you can eat mm-hmm. it whatever. So, um, but what I will say, my research showed me that uh, because the that moon landing was in '69, however many years that is, uh, fruitcake is good for 25 years approximately, and that that's a little outside of that 25 year window. <laughs> <laughs> Not by much, though. Yeah, that's fifty. Years. I think it's only 40, by about. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's forty double. something. In the great, right. in in terms of Jesus being born, it's not that far off. But in terms no. of it's, it is still like 10, 15, 20 years too late. Um, all right, John, good job. Two for two with your fruitcake knowledge. Fruitcake and tinsels right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> okay, you ready for your first of two true or false? Yes, thank you. So 
you probably sang the song the first Noel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True or false? Noel comes from the Latin meaning birthday. Birthday. True or false? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Noel comes from. I do, you know, they do say the first Noel, meaning I believe that uh, that refers to Jesus's birth. Like this is the first birthday. So that that would make sense then. I also know I have a, a friend from college named Noel. I think Noel is a very beautiful name for a person. I'm going to say true. Yeah, that Noel comes from the Latin meaning birthday. I'm locking it in. And that is. Yay. Correct. Cool. Good to know. That's yeah. a fun fact. Uh, it first came to English in the 14th century, Noel. Obviously, it's very French-sounding because it came from the old French, mm. Noel or Nael, if I'm reading this correctly. Ah. Um, but ultimately, it came from the Latin. Natalius, my apologies, I don't know Latin that well to be able to pronounce it correctly, but essentially it meaning birthday. Wow, yeah. the first Noel. Now, the song now makes more sense. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, now we know. All right, cool, man. Well, that that gave me a one for two and you a two for two. Mm-hmm. And since we're talking about lyrics and songs, we're going to get into a question about my Christmas songs. I do have several Christmas songs. Some of these are available on my Bandcamp page. I don't really go out promoting these. I, I'll get more into songwriting. But yes, I do have Christmas songs. Which of the following, John, is not the title of one of my Christmas songs? And we got A, Tree Burt the Tree, B, Mrs. Claus's Night, C, Welp, It's an Elf, and D, That's a Rap, W-R-A-P, That's a Rap. One of those is not the actual title of one of my Christmas songs. I'm just going to take a guess and go with Welp, It's an Elf. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying I do not have a song that's called Welp, It's an Elf. Correct. John, you are. Correct. Well done. Yeah, that was that was a fun one to make up. I was like, okay, if I if I did want to write another song, I'd want it to be about elves. What would be a good title? And I was like, what rhymes with elf? And Welp was the closest I could come up with. So yeah, so I do have a song called Tree Bert the Tree. I have one called Mrs. Claus's Night. And I have one called That's a Rap. And I brought in clips of some of those songs. So let's start with Tree Bert the Tree. Tree Bert is a song that I'm very proud of. He's a character I made up about a very sad, lonely Christmas tree. And what I will tell you is, as you hear just this clip, it's a ballad. It's a slow song. So I, I got this clip and I was all excited. And then I listened back to it. I was like, oh, it sounds kind of depressing. But it's a song I'm very proud of. So here, without further ado, here's a here's a clip of Tree Bert the Tree. Sitting here in a Christmas tree lot Wishing I had a star on top of my head Seeing tree after tree being picked up and set free Wishing that tree was me, that tree with that family But people just keep walking on by My branches droop and I think I might cry Cause I'm Tree Bert, the tree that no one loves Birds won't even land on me, not even those turtle doves. So there's Tree Bird. It's and it's it's funny because I you know I tend to try to write like funny songs, and that was sort of my intention with this song. And then when I right. recorded it, it was just, it just lended itself to be this kind of slow song, and I don't think audiences know what to do with it. Like, am I supposed to be happy or sad? Or well, I I think it's it, it's very similar with you know Charlie Brown's Christmas it, tree. It does have that. It does have that aspect, and in fact, that's one of the visuals that I pictured is is that Christmas mm-hmm. tree. Now, I may. 
I'm thinking about doing a pro like treating myself to a birthday trip uh, that I won't be able to take till February, even though my birthday is in January, where I literally go and I rent a studio somewhere and like like an Airbnb like studio and just mm-hmm. record all my Christmas songs that I don't have recorded yet. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm saying it out loud here to give myself the push to do it, the accountability. But I may do it. I may do a recut of that or maybe re- I don't know. But the original does exist on Bandcamp. I mean, it, it sounds like there needs to be a sax solo. Oh, my gosh. Do you play the sax, John? <laughs> I did. Did you? Did you in like middle school but or not something? Not that well. Oh my gosh! Well, even- well, I, I I picked it up in high school with, along with the you know I did clarinet in middle school and high school, then did sax and then played at Manchester. I did not know that. Oh my gosh! You have a little yeah. bit of uh, could you could you drop down a, a a sax a sax line on a song if you if you put your mind to it? No. Okay, well, if you wrote it, maybe, but I I cannot improv. At the, okay, well, that's what I mean. Like, if there were notes, okay, at the very least, if you provide music and an instrument, yeah, okay, I, I have neither. I think I think what just, <laughs> I I actually do have access to a saxophone, my okay. grandfather's saxophone. I think we may have just planned out a collaboration on Treebert the Tree. <laughs> at the very <laughs> least, we're going to make a video, and you're going to be the sax man, and we're going to put your beard in a ponytail and slick your hair back, and it's going to be amazing. All right, I'll play you a quick clip of Mrs. Claus's Night. What I will say is if you have children listening, there is a bad word that's edited out, and it does have adult themes to it, so you may just want to uh, fast forward about 30 seconds or so, but uh, here is here is the clip of Mrs. Claus's Night that I have for you. The DJ might be spinning, Mrs. Claus is spinning too. That's what 14 glasses of eggnog will do to you. It's her one night of the year to spread her own kind of cheer, so you better not pout, because f***ing Mrs. Claus is here. It's the party of the year, party of the year, party of the year. We need to turn that into a reel. Into a reel? What do you mean? Like on Instagram. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like oh. that would do well. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I, that song I'm pretty proud of, even though it's it's a little tricky because I have children's songs that I write, and that's what I kind of right. want to put myself out. But here I am on a public forum sharing the song. Um, I meant to set up, and I think you picked up from the clip, that every year on December 24th when Santa Claus leaves, Mrs. Claus throws the party of the year because it's the one. And, and in fact, the, mm-hmm. the other two verses are a lot about like, how much Santa Claus drives her crazy all year round. And, and right. so she just waits for this one day and just goes nuts. So yeah, there's Mrs. Claus's day, night. Yeah. I mean, and, and don't feel like you, you have to hide your adult stuff too. Yeah. Because there are a lot of artists that do both. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm Whether kinda... it's music, literature, movies. We live in such a world where like people don't feel allowed to express themselves in various ways because if you're one thing then you always have to be that one thing. And look, I'm not right. I'm not some big well-known artist in any way shape or form, but that is the attitude that I have is look, I have these songs that can be adult friendly and have adult themes and mm-hmm. maybe aren't for kids and just don't play those ones for your kids and then I'll have these Well, I mean also think about the Pixar movies. How often are there adult things that Yeah. Th- that and that is that is one of my biggest goals in songwriting for children's stuff is to put just little little hints of something that an adult will laugh at. Nothing inappropriate, but just something that's there. And then I do I'm not gonna play this clip. I'm gonna end the show with what I think is at least for me the song that I'm most proud of or currently most proud of. It's called That's a Rap. And it's about rapping. Uh it's a it's a rap 
about rapping. And that's why I wore my gangster rapper shirt today. And that will be a world premiered at the end of this episode, right after the theme song. And I, I do want to let you know, Kevin, we do have at least four people listening from Seattle. No way. So, hey, is that your family? Yep. My uncle Dale and, and Nikki, and I'm assuming my cousin Erica and uh, her fiance are currently listening from Seattle. Shout out to the live stream watchers. That's very exciting. Yep, and they say Merry Christmas. So Mer We got a Merry Christmas shout out and uh, I offended them with my Mrs. Claus song and <laughs> this, is, this, is go this is going, no, that's cool. And um, just for those of you listening on the actual podcast, you know, we typically are going to be live streaming on Sundays. We usually aim for Sunday mm -hmm. evenings. Right now, we don't have a solid, like today it's Sunday afternoon. So um, yeah. just, you know, be on the lookout on Facebook on Sundays. We'll usually, we'll send out a link that says we're live streaming in case mm -hmm. you want to witness what it looks like live behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, like the page on uh, Facebook for lack of genius, or if you've uh, subscribed to our YouTube channel, whenever we start live streaming, you'll get a notification that we are. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you. Thank you. I was I was literally going to say Aunt Dale and Uncle Nikki again. I don't know why I can't get that straight. <laughs> Uncle Dale and Aunt Nikki, thanks again to, to you and your family. And um, let's carry on with our quiz, shall we? Thanks for letting me play those clips, by the way. So you, you're you doing great, mm -hmm. man. You're three for three? Maybe it'll be a Christmas miracle and I get all five. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm one for two going into question three on Christmas history. Here's your second of two, true or false. Okay. In Puritan England... Christmas was banned as it was associated with drunkenness and other misbehavior. <laughs> True or false? True or and false. And you also spelled misbehavior with the U, which is the English way of spelling it, which which is either... I, I, I didn't want to offend the uh, people across the pond. Gosh, that's hilarious. Puritan England was banned as it was associated with drunkenness and other misbehavior. <laughs> And I just played a song about Mrs. Claus's other misbehaviors. I just, I got to choose true because I, I hope it's true. And that just sounds, it sounds real enough. Anyways, I'm choosing true. Yes. Correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tell me more about it, this. It, it, this kind of goes back to that, that first question where we, where I was talking about how it goes up and down with popularity during pure appeared in England, they didn't really see it as something that should be celebrated uh, because it was associated with drunkenness and other misbehaviors. And that even actually carried over to the U.S. as well. Wow. Um, in fact, after the Revolutionary War, it wasn't celebrated for a while because it was seen as a British thing. We wanted nothing to do with the British. And I, I don't know if this is true, but that's probably partially why we don't celebrate Boxing Day like other British colonies do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what, and I know Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. Is that the significance of Boxing Day or is there a greater? I, I don't know. I think it was seen as a, a day of the lords and, the, you know, the family giving the day off and presents to the servants and the butler. Oh, that's a great. Uh, that's. I think that's what that was. Um, I could be wrong and we might have a tidy up for it next week, but <laughs> that's, that's my understanding of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm, I'm currently Googling. I know Blink-182 has a song called Boxing Day and it, and I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics because it's, I believe it's more of a ballady one. And it reminds me like Boxing Day, the day after Christmas for, for me, a lot of times is like the hardest day of the year for me because like I love Christmas so much and then Christmas is over and I'm like trying to pull myself out of bed to like, Oh, what am I looking forward to now? And I'm I have a much better attitude this year where I'm enjoying every present moment. So I'm like really embracing the holiday excitement. And on December 26th, I'm gonna mm -hmm. really embrace and be thankful that I had a great season, you know? Anyways, yeah. that that was a great question and uh it allowed me to go two for three. So I'm one behind you as you're three for three. 
And we're ready for number four on Christmas fun, yeah? Yep. 45%, nearly half. So 45% of Christmas tree fires are caused by lights and the electrical equipment associated with lights. What percentage is caused by the tree intentionally being set on fire? Is it 5%, 10%, 15%, or 20%? This is of all Christmas tree fires per year. What percent is caused by trees intentionally being set on fire? I'm just going to go with 20% because I feel like that number should be a lot higher <laughs> because I know, I, I mean, at least around here, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, you know, with live trees, they'll just take it out to the backyard and the fire pit and just burn it mm-hmm. with either trash if they happen to do that or other wood and have a hot, like, you know, a hot dog roast or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but in cities, I, I don't know. That's the catch, right? So, you, so are you going to go with 20% then? Yeah, I'm going to go with 20 20% is incorrect. Ah, Sorry, it's 15%. Is it 15? Yep. And and you bring up a really great point because in my experience living in a city, I've only once seen an actual Christmas tree be burned. And it's, you know, it kind of makes sense because we have small and, mm-hmm. and in fact, even the house we did it at, it was a small backyard and you know, I felt like it was relatively safe and under control, but still like it was, there wasn't a ton of room for that fire to go because if you, I'm not encouraging this behavior, but if you've never lit a, a dry Christmas tree on fire, man, that thing it just goes up fast. lights up. And, um, and I will tell you that I don't know exactly what they meant. If they meant these are like, re- these must be just reported fires is the thing. So you're probably right. right. The actual number of Christmas tree fires technically is going to be way higher because, Probably a lot of them don't go, don't cause any issues. But I was looking at the numbers because the, the other big number is, um, you know, there's 45% that are from the electrical equipment, the 15% from doing it on purpose, 35% mm-hmm. are from some kind of heat source, like a heater, like the tree was placed too close to it and then it ignited. So that's the other, right. that's, and okay. then 7% are from uh, candles on or around the Christmas tree. So yeah, and this is a good, good chance to make a PSA to practice safe Christmas tree etiquette don't put a right. heater by it. Don't light candles near a Christmas tree. If you are going to light a Christmas tree on fire, uh, w- let's just say don't. <laughs> and if you are, find <laughs> find a safe way to do it. So there you go. Uh, John, you missed one. Sorry, the Christmas miracle of a perfect score didn't end up happening, but uh, but you, ha- nope. you still have an opportunity to win the episode. Okay. So you're three for four. I'm two for three, and we're going into number four mm-hmm. on Christmas history. Yeah. I, and again, we we kind of talked about how when the day was being decided, you know, it kind of pulled in other from other traditions and stuff. Um, and one of those is actually Yule. Yule log gets mentioned. You know, that's even a food that's you know a dessert that's made a lot around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. But Yule was Norse and Germanic holiday kind of on the solstice as well and it kind of celebrated the beginning of light coming back because right after the solstice is when the days start getting longer oh and so it was it was kind of seen as a joyous thing you know they've made it through the dark i love that the light is coming that's great part of that is they would sacrifice a certain animal and eat it so what animal would they use for yule uh chicken cow rabbit or boar this is a great question um, because it could be any of those animals, but it's also a great question because I'll tell you right now, I had no idea Yule was a thing, was a time, was a celebration. Mm-hmm. I, I realized right now I had no clue what Yule meant, uh, but we're trying to figure out which animal was eaten, chicken, cow, rabbit, boar. 
chicken and cow are pretty commonly eaten food. So that, I mean, it could be either of those animals. It could be rabbit. Rabbit doesn't seem significant. I mean, rabbits are very significant, but the, in terms of like size and it's why I'm leaning towards boar. I'm seeing, I'm just, I'm picturing Thor and Loki gathering together and <laughs> catching a boar together and sacrificing it and sharing it with their people. So I'm just going to lock in boar. Yeah. Correct. And in, and in fact, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, sonar golter is what it was referred to as. Okay. They would sacrifice it in the what's called the sonar blot. And so they would do this on Yule Eve. People would actually lay their hands on the bristles of the boar and make vows. Oh. You know, whether it was to the king or to others, it was seen as a time of this is when we make vows and sacrifices and everything. I'm blown away by this, and I, as I was telling you, I'm trying to come up with more Christmas song. I, there, there needs to be a Yule, a, a Yule Eve song or a Yule something. Fallout Boy has a song called "You'll Shoot Your Eye Out," Y U L E. So that's <laughs> mixing in the Christmas story and uh, and Yule. I think we're going to qualify this as the John Knowledge Bomb of the episode because uh, I think you just bringing some <laughs> some knowledge about Yule is a is a big service to our community. Let's see what just happened. I I think we're tied. Oh, yeah, because I got that right. Oh, my gosh. We're three for four going into the last mm -hmm. one, John. This is so exciting. I love when we have a close one like this. All right, here we go, John. Number five for Christmas fun. Which country holds the Guinness World Record for the tallest snow person? Is it Sweden, Austria, Japan, or the United States of America? I, I'm glad you read that because my mind was saying that was Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because I did think about throwing in like a gimme answer, like a New Zealand, like a like a, a Cuba or right. Jamaica, well, you know, anyways. Uh, but yeah, no, all, all of these could potentially have it. Sweden, Austria, Japan, United States. Does it snow at all anywhere right. in, Austra in Australia? No, right? It's too far. Um, Maybe there are high peaks where it, it snows. There might be. I mean, they're fairly far south. Yeah, they are. I know exactly. So, but not. We're not talking Antarctica. It's south. possible. The right, just the right amount no. of south to not probably. Hopefully, we have an yeah. Australian listener who can tidy us up and tell us. Maybe send yeah. us a picture of them in the snow in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I would love to say the United States because I don't know if Will was ever a part of this, but and I don't know if you ever. Oh, this is our. If we did it when you were our there. friend Will that we went to college with. Uh huh. Right. But uh, like me, Joel Waggy, Andrew Half, Don Lawson, and some others, we would try to build the biggest snowman we could <laughs> on the mall. And inevitably, like, we'd get like seven, eight, ten foot. Wow. But then the next morning, someone had already always knocked it down. I wonder who would knock it down if it were, if it was someone from the school like a groundskeeper if it was just some jerks from what was the what was the other uh, dorm that nobody Schwan. liked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome that you did that and and when with all 6 foot 7 of you you could really get they would probably mm -hmm. put some they put Will Patch on your shoulders. Oh yeah, no. I mean and, and, and Andrew's not much shorter than I am. That's right. Yeah. And, and so you know and we would build ramps out of the snow and <laughs> and everything. You're living the so, life. That's so Cool. But I, I don't think it was the United States, though. I'm guessing Sweden. Sweden is incorrect. Ah. Sorry, it was Austria. It is Austria, in fact. So here's the thing. Like, my thought on this is I I'm not often crazy patriotic, but 
we got to get mm-hmm. United States. We got to we got to up our game and get this going because <laughs> United States did own the two previous records. I will tell those stories first. In 1999, in Bethel, Maine, they built a 113 foot seven inch or ten stories tall is the equivalent ten story tall snowman named Angus. King of the Mountain. And that was the record until they broke their own record in 2008. Bethel, Maine, again, they named this was a snow woman named Olympia, which I think was after one of the Congress people there or something like that. It was 122 feet and one inch tall. It was 11 stories. It had wreaths for eyes. It had skis <laughs> for eyelashes. It literally had full trees for arms and it had five <laughs> little, uh, not little, but five buttons that were made out of car tires. And it's pretty amazing. I will have, maybe we'll have to post a picture of it with a clip, but uh, it was, it was a sight to see. Now, Austria did, did beat them in height. I don't think they beat them in creativity because the, they did not have wreath for eyes, but this was in 2020, which makes sense because that's also, if you remember John in the, uh, the ping pong slash table tennis episode, <laughs> uh, that's when the world record for the longest volley was ever set <laughs> because 2020, what else was anybody doing? You know, and I don't know if this is the pronunciation, right? If I have the pronunciation, right, but the name is Reese, R I E S I, Reese, which roughly translates to giant. And it took uh, a whole bunch of people. It took 10 shovels, a digger, a high performance milling machine, and a crane to build <laughs> this uh, snowman, 125 feet, which uh, is three feet taller. But yeah, that's the world record right now until Bethel, Maine gets their, gets their game going and uh, probably tries to rebreak it someday. Or if you and Joel Waggy and Will Patch get together and, and make this happen on the lawn of Manchester College. It's one or the other. We got to have snow first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once, once the snow comes in. Okay. There you go, John. You ready for your last one? Yeah, going for the win here. We either got a win or a tie. Win for me or a tie for us. Which author helped revive Christmas as we know it? Mm. Charles Dickens, Mark Twain, Ralph Waldo Emerson... Or Edgar Allan Poe? You know, Charles Dickens jumps out to me immediately and probably is what I'm going to choose just because of the Christmas Carol. But a Christmas Carol. By the way, uh, I probably said this last episode, but A Muppet Christmas Carol, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I love, well, it's it's up. I have a list of like two or three, but that one's up there. I actually, at work yesterday, the I didn't even know he had a version. The Patrick Stewart version of A Christmas Carol was on TV. He plays Ebenezer Scrooge in 1999. It it's a good made. one. It was really good. I kept getting distracted at work. I kept, uh, usually we have it on mute. I kept unmuting <laughs> and being like, wow, Patrick Stewart's really good at this. Um, and, and what's funny is A Muppet Christmas Carol is my primary sort of visual for Christmas Carol for mm-hmm. that story. And as I was watching the Patrick Stewart one, I was like, oh, they actually covered this story pretty accurately just uh, yeah. just with Muppets is all. It very well could be Mark Twain, Ralph Waldo Emerson, or Edgar Allan Poe. But because of the fame of A Christmas Carol, I'm going to choose Charles Dickens. All right. Correct. Wow. I pulled it off. Yeah. No, it, it, it was Charles Dickens. And he wrote A Christmas Carol. It came out in 1843. As kind of a way to help revive that spirit of Christmas and that that merriment to it. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, it's centered around going to church and spreading the goodwill and helping people, mm-hmm. which he felt kind of was lost. And that's where, you know, the fr- phrase Merry Christmas became popular was because of that book. Really? Uh, that literally Merry Christmas mm-hmm. is where that, like they say that in the, in that book. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you, John, for your knowledge. Well, I man, I just want another episode. I'm going on a little run here. 
I, I think I'm up three <laughs> on you now. I think it's uh, 14 wins, have to, uh, 11 for you, four ties. That's probably wrong. But it's I'm up by three. I know that. Have to make a comeback. You're due, man. You're due. Um, we will wrap up with some Christmas stuff here, but I will say that next week mm-hmm. will be our New Year's episode because it turns out New Year's Day yeah. is one week after Christmas Day. New Year's Day also happens to be my birthday, the day that I was born. And so John is going to quiz us on New Year's history, New Year's. You can do all things New yeah. Year's. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet, but there will be a quiz Related, well, let's face it, related to me and my birthdays. I think it'll have to do with maybe celebrations of my birthdays in the past. So it's just a chance to get to know me a little bit while learning some New Year's history. And and we're going to do the same thing mm-hmm. on John's birthday in February. Don't worry. So we he will have his shining moment <laughs> as well. But since we celebrate ourselves on our birthdays, that's what's happening. <laughs> All right, John, anything else you want to add to send Christmas wishes or anything? No, just happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas if you do that. Happy Hanukkah if you, I know that's that was last week, but if that's the faith you follow, then happy Hanukkah. And- There's something about this time of season, regardless of what you celebrate, that uh, I think it's just nice to reflect and have people be together and be mm-hmm. grateful. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful regardless if it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, or the middle of April for this podcast, for you, John, for our listeners, and for the opportunity to yeah. do this. So thank you for listening. We have our theme song going, and we will end right after it with That's a Wrap, my original Christmas song. Yeah, we'll catch you next week for New Year's. See ya. It's the Lack of Genius Podcast. In your ear holes at last. They don't know they're Mars and Venus. That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast. It's my wrapping paper wrap. I ain't got no time to nap. Cause I got 47 gifts in my bedroom that need wrap. I got ribbons and papers and gift tags and bows. Scissors and scotch tape and boxes for clothes. Three pieces of tape. That's all that I need. I can wrap these gifts so fast. I got quickness, I got speed. Throw this one in a bag and put this one in a box. I'm not meaning to brag, but look how nice I wrap these socks. It's my wrapping paper wrap. You can go ahead and clap. Take your fingers and go snap. And look, all my gifts are wrapped. It's my wrapping paper wrap. Fold and tape down every flap. Got them wrapped up just like that. It's my wrapping paper wrap. I don't need your finger to hold this ribbon down. What you think I'm new to this? Some rookie rapper clown. This one is for Jimmy and this one is for Steve. This one you might get to open up on Christmas Eve. Wrapping paper's nice, but I like to switch things up. I just wrap that gift with recycled paper cups. I put all my gift cards inside of envelopes. That ribbon on that puppy's collar's looking pretty dope. It's my wrapping paper wrap. You can go ahead and clap. Take your fingers and go snap. And look, all my gifts are wrapped. It's my wrapping paper wrap. Fold and tape down every flap.